All right, fellas, look, this is the NFL, man. This is the NFL. Every week, a couple plays, close games, you know, come down to the wire, situational football. That's what it is, all right? Formula today, no turnovers. Yes, sir. No turnovers. All right, great job defensively. Great job in the kicking game on the field position. Wasn't a great day, okay? In terms of the weather and ball handling and all that, tackling. You got to put everything you got into it. You don't know what the situation's going to be. Safety at the end of the game, four minute offense. All right. You know, Hail Mary. I mean, that's, you don't know. It's going to come down to those plays. Nice job. All right. Slate. It's all yours. Yeah. 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 We do have some new members of the congregation. Uh, huh? How do we feel about coming down here to New York and getting that first dub of the season? Hello, Patriots fans. Welcome to Entitled Town. Uh, the Patriots win in the Meadowlands 16 to 10 on Sunday. And you know what that means. It's time for four downs with Scartsy. Thank you, Bayern Munich. Here are the long-awaited four downs from Sunday's Pats Jets game. Down one, Juju Smith-Schuster. He's slipping on the MetLife turf, the brand new MetLife turf. He's dropping footballs. He committed a drive-stalling illegal block. The man is clearly an embedded Kansas City Chief and has been attempting to keep his old coach, Andy Reid, within striking distance of one day having the most coaching wins in the NFL, passing Shula and possibly Bill Belichick. Down two. No Taylor Swift or no Dennis Rodman at the game. A sure sign that your team is on the downswing is when you can't draw the A-list celebrities to the game. They're at the Chiefs or in Las Vegas or at Coach Prime's Colorado Buffalo squad. Have fun watching Lenny Clark ring the stupid lighthouse bell, honks and bobos. <laughs> Down three. No players on the Patriots have a food nickname. Having a guy whose nickname is Sauce, greater sign, a guy whose given name is Peppers. That's just food science. And down four, blocking tight end Pharaoh Brown. This guy, who don't lie to me like I'm Montel Williams, many of you didn't even know was on the team, was the only Patriot to find the end zone Sunday. Pharaoh. Not sure if anyone pointed this out yet, but allowing a player named after the enslavers of the Hebrews score your lone touchdown mere hours before the start of Yom Kippur the Day of Atonement and holiest day in the Jewish calendar is just really tasteless. Those were your four downs. We now return you to your regularly scheduled and titled town. L'chaim. We're going to be positive every day. You're the people being negative. You're in some of the fans. Larry Bird's not walking through that door, fans. Kevin McHale's not walking through that door, and Robert Parrish is not walking through that door. And if you expect them to walk through the door, they're going to be gray and old. And all this negativity that's in this town sucks. And I've been around, and, and, and when Jim Rice was booed, I've been around with Yosemite booed, and it stinks. It makes the greatest town, greatest city in the world lousy. This is Entitled Town. Thank you, Scartelli. It's the return of four downs, which means the Patriots win 15 to 10 in the Meadowlands on Sunday, Mike, on Route 1, a win that Trent Brown described as grimy. I think that's apropos. The Patriots did hold the Jets 
to 171 yards. For most of the, the, the first three quarters, the Jets were averaging less than a yard a play. So Zach Wilson stinks. Uh, I think that's empirical at this point. What were your impressions of, a, of the grimy win in at the Meadowlands? Well, it certainly wasn't, you know, like when they went down there in 2014 and scored a monstrous 17 points or 2010 when they scored 14 points down there, 2009 when they scored nine points, 2006 when they scored 14 points, 2001 um, when they scored 17 points. You know, it, it, I, I find that funny too, given that, that last one, because really considered a a signature win or a character win. win. Yeah, a win that that made us feel like, okay, this this is a team that that has something. Um, but we don't do that anymore. Um, so I thought that they they played well, um, well enough offensively, running the ball well on early downs, uh, and they cannot. That field was horrible. Uh, I don't know what you know. Maybe Juju Smith-Schuster is is cashed, as the kids say. But I don't think it was because he slipped twice um, on on high leverage plays from Mac. Um, so I I have a hard time taking uh, having you know any takeaway other than I thought the line held up pretty well, mm-hmm. especially in the run game. You know, if if they can run the ball like that early in Dallas on a, a fast track, I think it will look pretty good. Um, and we'll allow them to get the play action going a little bit. We saw that obviously with the aforementioned Farrell Brown. Um, but you know, I, I just I can't take too much away from from what they did offensively, and and you know, letting Zach Wilson get on the field. You know, as Belichick says, there's only so many times you can rush the passer, and it's true. And I, I think they just they're tired. The defense gets tired too. Um, regardless of how bad the quarterback is. So that's what happens. And I, I don't have, I don't have many complaints, you know, um, they protected, they protected better. As long as they have, in my mind, if they have uh, Trent playing at that level, they have Andrews and, and they have um, Onwenu playing, playing well. I think, I think they will be okay on the line, uh, you know, get through this next week. I don't know if Reef is going to come back, uh, but that would be nice. I think that would be really helpful because I didn't, you know, the guard situation at left guard, Strange didn't look great, but that's a horrible matchup um, with Williams. So I, I I can't take too much from that either. So, um, but I, I just think, I think they'll be okay. I think if, we'll talk about the, the Cowboys in a minute, but right, I think they're going to be okay. I, I, I don't have much negative to say about what happened there. Strange was coming back from an injury, playing against an all pro level player, Dan. So I don't think there's, there's much to read there. You want to see improvement. We've discussed... Uh, time and again, the early season now with the lack of hitting in training camp leading up to it, the early games are just going to be a slog. They just are. Throw in the weather situation and the Jets having a good defensive front. All things forward, they win. They don't. First of all, they don't step in the dicks. They don't turn the ball over. That's first and foremost what we talked about. To Mike's point, I think we saw a semblance of what they want to be ideally. They ran the ball. In the first half, Mac converted some third downs. Parker uh, picked up some some third downs in the game. Hunter Henry had some nice plays. Ramondre doesn't look right to me yet. Something's off with him, but Zeke Elliott steps up. Um, he had a nice game. Uh, he's going back to his old stomping grounds in Dallas. Um, I think there's signs there what they want to be. Um, what did you take away? To, 
to what you were saying about uh, things coming together, you know, the things taking time to come together. It's there's a lot of interdependencies that happen in football. So yes, it's the 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 injuries that they had to the offensive line all all off season. The 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 lack of time. September is the is the new uh, training ground, but. Um, I, 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 I want to go back to what Mike just said about, about those scores, those jet scores. I don't, I don't think those, those can't be accurate because I was told that the jets for the last 20 years were tomato cans. Fair point. Fair point. Anyway, playing not, playing not to lose is the correct strategy when you don't lose. Um, the, they, they had this, the game plan that they needed for, for the, the, the defense, held held the jets in check the entire time you, you know the eight punts that the patriots had to do that that's a little alarming they need to get but th- that goes back to what we were just saying you need you need to everything needs to start getting in sync and you're starting to see the the beginning of that now so like you said we'll move on to dallas when we get to dallas but little by little the coming together pepper i think this is it's just that simple start say if the other team can't Take the game. Don't give it to them. Oh, big time. The Patriots ran the uh, the Milton Burrow play. They, you know, <laughs> pick out enough points to win. And that's, that's what you needed to do. If if they felt that uh, that they could, you know, if they had faith that their punter wasn't a hypochondriac this year and that they can uh, <laughs> just just keep, uh, keep the immortal uh, Zach Wilson, you know, in check. Scoring 13 points on offense is probably enough, and guess what? It turned out to be. And true, there were a couple of a uh, couple of long missed field goals in there, but uh, some of that was due to the weather conditions and the fact that there were you know 50 plus yarders, and you know a bad snap. These things happen, and I don't know. I, I was doing some checking considering the uh, the fact that the turf at uh, MetLife is such a uh, such a cause cause of concern. It's apparently put in this year, and it's called uh, Field Turf Core HD, which I think means it's made from uh, ground up Scepter HD TVs that uh, PFF has discarded. <laughs> Manufactured by the, Slip and Slide. Oh my goodness! I'd never. <laughs> it looked like it looked like you know actual turf that had been soaking in water for uh, you know the better part of a week. <laughs> so you know if that was the effect they're going for, kudos. It'll be Exhibit A in the NFLPA's case against the uh, the NFL moving to all uh, wanting them to move to all grass fields uh, moving forward. You know, Scarty, the funny thing is, I think if the Patriots had won pretty easily, A, it would have been it's just the Jets. And then the other talking point to be just kicked down the road a little bit was, well, can they win? Can they win when it's not pretty? Can they grind out a win? Well, they did that on Sunday. It's win number one. It's going to be uh, listen, the, the sports radio Bobos and media is going to shit on it. Um, speaking of sports radio Bobos and media, it's uh, Sacramento expat Nick Cattles, he of the uh, the Greg Bedard podcast, is venturing out on his own on his YouTube channel, and he's he wants to do sports talk done different. Now, please, please tell me, is he is Nick Cattles after watching the the Patriots beat the Jets? Is he colossally stupid here or willfully ignorant? Belichick, with 10.52 left in the fourth quarter, at the plus 45, had an opportunity to get a half a yard, get a first down, and make a statement and put his foot on the Jets' throat on Sunday. 
Instead, he punted the football. Wilson drives down. Jets get a touchdown. And all of a sudden, this is a three-point game with time left. No killer instinct. The lack of aggressiveness. That has been a benchmark for Bill Belichick here over the last 11 years. That has been what he does. That's what Nick Cattles has taken away for the last 11 years of Patriots football. Is a Bill that is Belichick the worst Howard Cosell impression I've ever heard. Holy shit. Tell me you, I mean, I don't really have the words that that is laughable. And sports talk done different. He's a moron. Any yes. thoughts on that, Mike? Uh, yeah, right. yeah. The, the, you know, the, I, I would say, I mean, congratulations on the, your future endeavors as a, uh, a YouTube sports yacker. That's a very high bar for entry, I understand. But um, the the time, the only thing that that is the Jets have that is valuable to them at that point is time. Um, so that to the page and they have to, you know, that that's what the Patriots need to run. So kicking there makes total sense rather than the risk of giving it up to them in, in a place where they could, uh, you know, get the ball uh, into scoring range pretty easily, you know, with one play, essentially one fluke play. Right. 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 And as we saw, they were starting to move the ball for whatever reason. Um, so, I, I, the idea that they would should risk that there, given especially the last couple of sneaks that the Patriots ran, the Jets loaded up pretty well. The Patriots executed it, but I mean, they were really, really loading up the box there. And it's not like you can run something else in that situation. You can't um, boot Mac out. You can't, you know, uh, get somebody out on a quick hitter, uh, given the the conditions were were pretty bad at that point. Um, so the risk there is is pretty significant, and um, kicking away is is really the best option. But he's not a very smart person, and you know, uh, I, I like the the eleven year thing too, which puts us back, you know, well within three Super Bowls in four Super Bowl appearances. <laughs> so okay, great. They're they're not that aggressive. Awesome. It also and, and allows them to leave out the fourth and two stuff too from Indianapolis. Right. And, and also oh, a like, bit of uh, yeah, that's that's very. Uh... That's yeah. very Coach Dungy esque, uh, you know, <laughs> right. uh, picking, you know, pick, you know, carry picking the uh, the the length of time. The Ron Borges, yes, right, yeah. Since we 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 week five in two thousand five, yeah. <laughs> but what happened just before that? Who who knows? There's no way I, to find out. I think going back to the fourth and two against the Colts game, absolutely the right call, uh, the right call to go for it. Didn't work out. This one here. What's 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 the outlier here? Zach Wilson going to score a touchdown on one drive, got hot, maybe found something the Patriots adjusted back to, Dan, or punting and making him go the full field and hit him having to punt again, one of the eight times they punted. Listen, you said it in advance of the game. You said that you expected this to be a very, very conservative game plan. Belichick doesn't uh, he doesn't plan in order to uh, help out your fantasy teams. He doesn't plan to try to make a point. He only plans for whatever is the best game plan for winning. And so you look at the conditions, you look at the quarterback you're going up against, and you make your decisions in concert with that. Scott, and- would you say the game plan was just like Steve Silva's vanilla ice cream? 
I, I think it was it was it was a it was the uh, the appropriate amount of vanilla if you were if I was to uh if I was to hang in on that. Deep so, cold. Don't don't infuse <laughs> the cuckoo's nest. Mean and not for everyone. So the the other thing too is if you look at uh, the other games on the day, uh, Staley and I, I could I could hear um, what a fucking idiot. A, a million voices crying <laughs> out in terror and it was just one voice and it was brother john who was probably <laughs> dead because of that um the staley call you know absolutely uh saved by kirk cousins incompetence you know 12 seconds left uh in inside the 10 you probably should have three <laughs> shots there at the end zone um to, to win that game and you know it's 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 been memory hold at this point because you know it 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 worked out but that's still that wasn't the right decision uh brother brother john the other brother john um who who i dislike strongly (laughs) from the ravens did uh you know the same aggressive he was aggressive he made the right play there's just zero upside to doing that in against that opponent uh against that defensive opponent giving the ball to that offensive uh team in in a monsoon zero upside yeah, Shane Steichen and John Harbaugh and Kevin O'Connell and Brandon Staley were saying, here, I don't want it, you take it. And it's, holy shit, how can not just even watching the red zone make you appreciate a Belichick more than he is? By the way, Dan, what game did I tell you I placed a wager on in the early window Sunday just to prepare myself to be angry after the game? <laughs> yes, Chargers. Chargers minus 105. <laughs> So that that means some some aggrieved anguish with me. Scarzi, one of the one of the absolute it can't be there has to be some brainless controversy. The Mac Jones hitting sauce in the grape in the grape nuts. I mean, has there been a more stupid controversy this side of the the Taylor Swift Travis Kelsey stuff? My my word. And Sauce Gardner, soft. Get activating your social media accounts to complain about a quarterback tapping you in the nuts. I ain't calling a grown man sauce. <laughs> so he's Ahmad Gardner for the remainder of this uh, podcast, as far as I'm concerned. And yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's very, that's very jets of him. That's very true. And it, a, a cadre of 40 and 50 something year old men will also not be calling him pop Douglas. Will we Mike? Wow. He's Demario Douglas. Yeah, now. that's a lot. That's a lot of syllables, but um, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna have to find a happy. Don't be slurring. Now. Don't slur those syllables. Syllables. Uh, <laughs> um, I just I don't. It is. I don't mean to be the paranoid, and I don't like to do the whole like oh Boston against the world bullshit. It just it annoys me. Um, because I, it I, I don't like that, but. There is that, and I do, and I, you know, I said the Patriots, the Patriots tax today on Twitter, and I, I do yeah. think that's mm-hmm. that that's true. There's truth in that, but I also do think there's a weird thing with the national media and sports fans in general. They hate Boston fans, and um, you know, I'm not Lou Merloni here with my they hate us because they ain't us <laughs> shirt. I just think it's because they're obnoxious, and I I would say that's true. And it is, but it is a very, like, if Marcus Smart does something, it's a bigger deal. It, it was a bigger deal than if, you know, random whoever else in another city. It just is a fact of dealing with things. And and Mac is the guy right now because he grabbed someone's ankle in a football game. Um, the step over toe hold. Yes, yeah, the Kurt <laughs> Angle. The, the Kurt Angle uh, finisher. 
Um, so yeah, that, it's just it's just bizarre that anyone would care about that. And if he did make contact there, I I just that's the um the least egregious thing I've probably ever seen on a football field. You, you can't imagine anything less benign than that. I would love it if Mac Jones went on his WAI appearances with his intro music being the Kurt Angle theme. That would be nice. <laughs> uh, Dan, a lot of nothing about nothing. Um, I, I, I mentioned to you, I, to Mike's point, and it's a good point, Mike, about kind of the, the, the Patriots tax, the Boston sports fans think nationally. By the way, rest in peace to Brian Burns' ankle from Mac's rookie season. Um, it really is kind of laughable that a quarter, someone who's had genuinely as mediocre a start to his career as Mac Jones has had could create that kind of fervor. And it's even, I can't get over Sauce Gardner complaining about a six foot one, 220 pound quarterback tapping him in, in the, in the, in the twig and berries. Can we rename him weak sauce? <laughs> Good point. Good um, point. He's to Mike's point, he's Max inherited residual Patriots hate. Um, I, I don't know how, Sauce Gardner can go through as many years of playing football and not that, and that be the first time something like that's happened to him. I mean, I'm old enough to remember it used to be kind of celebrated, like like Ben Dreith, his, his famous call of like, oh, they were doing the business. He was just giving them the, giving business, them the business down here, and everybody laughed about it. And we're ha- this is where we've come now, where that that was a laughable thing, and now it's like you know, uh, the, let let me get my smelling salts. All oh, the horrors. Good point. Uh, the Patriots. The Patriots are one and two. They're one and one in the division. They go to Dallas on Sunday. Before we discuss the Cowboys game briefly, I want to. I, I can't resist taking a shot at Greg Bedard. Greg Bedard doesn't see things at all. Here's the latest example. Uh, but you know him speaking to the media today. First of all, you could tell he's really young. He's still 20. Hmm. He turns 21 in like 10 days. Uh, very very young. And very soft-spoken, uh, and so you can see why some teams sort of worry about his intensity, mental makeup, compete, stuff like that. It's not evident. How is he going to be when the bright lights come, when the pads get on, when he's got to go against A.J. Brown in week one? How is that all going to go? How is he going to bounce back? All that stuff. But it- Well, the good news is it's a step down from his slander of Christian Barmore, which has been bruned by the Boston media. Shades of Stefan Gilmore, Mike uh, Bedard. I mean, this guy. There's not a bigger asshole covering the Patriots, and for my for my money, he's also a, a indisputable a fucking moron. Yeah, an inveterate piece of shit for sure. Uh, Agreed, unparalleled. And yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, so, what I think is funny there is that he's just. The the first off, you want to get like a a twenty four year old draftee who is a a, a big mouth <laughs> hothead. That's that's the kind of guy you want playing corner. You want someone Brandon a long age. memory, a long memory who who remembers every slight and like doesn't move on to the next play. That's that that's kind of the guy you want there. He's just he's such a fucking asshole, and just hearing the the smug condescension in his voice there. And I know I didn't make I didn't really make the Steph connection the Gilmore connection where equals Steph uh, I didn't make that connection right away like a lot of people did, and but you know it, it is a good one in that approach to playing the position and and it's just everything there I I, I think back to um, 
when uh when Mo Sislak in on The Simpsons was hooked up to the lie detector and <laughs> kept giving getting the buzz for every incorrect answer. And that's what that felt like listening listening to Greg there. And he just he he's the fucking worst. It takes it must take just an absolute metric fuck ton of self-delusion for that man to go in front of a camera and give opinions authoritatively, Scarzi, with no doubt in his voice and no self-awareness of how much he stepped on himself in the past. Um, did you did you subscribe after hearing this or are you going to do it when we finish the podcast? I'll, I'll see what I can do, but my goodness, he, uh, I, I detect more self-loathing in Greg Bedard than uh <laughs> than anything else. Um again, congratulations on starving your way into looking like Don Knotts, sir. <laughs> Subscribe no. to Mr. Furley's website. Go ahead, Dan. You, you said no doubt and no self-awareness. And I think the important thing is no shame. That's like an important ingredient for all of them. They're they're all completely shameless. That um, is that is the perfect recipe for someone to appear on NBC uh, takes Boston. Agree. Yeah. We we I think we should celebrate this because we had that Gronk quote to hang hang him with for years and years, and now you know Gonzalez is going to be great. You can already see it. Now we can have this one to hang him with for the next you know for the length of Gonzalez's career. I I do the other one that I love. There is a Mount Mushmore of Bedard takes. And the other one, he said when the Buck and Brady's first year in Tampa Day, I don't see them making a deep run. Three <laughs> weeks later, Brady's lifting another Lombardi trophy. Thanks, asshole. What is the opposite of the Midas Fucking touch? <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. It's well, so that was like Felger, like Felger this week with, with uh Zeke. Very much appreciated though. I you could see when he did the <laughs> started shitting on Zeke, you're like, all right, he's he's gonna have a game. And he did 15 carries, 84 yards for Elliott. Uh, Ramondre looks off. This, this is not on the list. He was totally off kilter on Sunday. I was glad to see Zeke get some more touch. Uh, Stevenson just not off to a good start. Mike, you think he's spooked? I mean, I, Dan, we're just throwing shit against the wall that I accuse others of doing, but it didn't look good on Sunday. Does it, does, um, it hasn't got going yet. Yeah, I, I think it may be circumstantial in kind of the, the rotation there with, with Elliot. Just kind of where where it was in, in the circumstances. I thought he had a couple. He just has such. He just I, I don't know. Even there were tough tough running situations there, and you know Elliot had a couple cutbacks that were really good. Um, so vision. Yeah, I, I and I think Stevenson usually displays that. I don't know. It, I you know I I didn't think he looked great in week one. I thought it was a product of the uh, the line because it was like we discussed a lot of um dead trees at his feet but you know i who knows i i think get him on get him on a good good track this week um i think they can run the ball we'll i'll save that for for the cowboys stock but yeah no that's true i i agree with you there um yeah so hopefully dry track um new opponent good game plan uh cardinals ran on the cowboys a little bit on sunday so uh there's that we'll see what happens sunday when they go to dallas uh to play the cowboys All right, it's time for a new segment here in Entitled Town. This is very dumb emails from Patriots fans. Uh, Scartsy, go ahead. Uh, here's one. It's a, uh, what is the excuse for Bill O'Brien being horseshit bad so far? Question mark. What is the excuse for the offense scoring 13 points today? 
question mark. If Aaron Rodgers was the QB today, the Patriots lose this game by, and then there's a space and a period. Can't wait to hear. Mike, you have the next one? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, all right. So it says, if I'm understanding correctly, the offensive line played really well yesterday as evidenced as evidenced by the fact that Matt Jones did not get sacked once. That's accurate. There was zero sacks by for Matt Jones or Mac Jones. Can someone tell me why the Patriots offense only scored 13 points? Question mark. I think that's a sign of someone who's clearly a big Patriots fan. I, I'm frankly, thank you for listening. Thank you for sending the emails. Uh, other, Dan, do you have any answers to those? I mean, those are good questions asked by very dumb people. There's an old saying, never never argue with idiots. They drag you down to their level and beat you with experience. <laughs> well said. Oh, speaking of dumb people, Albert Breer tweeted uh, during the Kansas City uh, Chiefs game on Sunday uh, when Taylor Swift was celebrating a touchdown in the, in the box with the Kelsey family. He tweeted regarding Dennis Rodman being in the box. Uh, speaking of dumb, entitled people with no self-awareness, Mike, uh, where does Breer rank in that skill for you? That was that was so good. Uh, you know, I I don't have many career home runs. I have a, probably a, a a pesky and a Remy added together of, of out of the park home runs in my career, and, but they felt good. You know, you, you knew it was gone. You know, you knew it was out. And seeing that, it it felt that it felt like it felt like going deep. Um, and that was just so it was so beautiful because it happened to the worst person um, who. You know, and he he was happy because uh, Ohio had won the previous night and just probably feeling himself a little bit. And then he just comes <laughs> up with that one. And it was just it was perfect. You know, he's just so ignorant and so privileged and so cloistered in his own in his own world. It was just not even a thought. And I, I, I thought it was appropriate, too, because I always give him I you know, like to point out that he, he the 90s for him was the uh, peak of, 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 of culture for him because mom, Mater and Pater were still, uh, were still doing it. Um, but it, that, that was awesome. That was, uh, that made my, that made my day. My guess is he probably wanted to go into his attic and pull out his Bill's starter jacket going back to the yes. 90s. Right, right. Um, let's, uh, let's hear from Chad Finn, media critic for the Boston Globe and the rest of the Boston media expressing their outrage. Dan, uh, is that so typically Breer it hurts? I mean, rhetorical question, I know. So after talking to Maz's and getting Maz's description, does uh, Breer think that it was uh, Dennis Rodman that stole Felger's car? <laughs> <laughs> the, the terrible, you know, oh, Henry, ironic twist to all this is that <laughs> he can probably pick out every 19 and 20-year-old black person on the <laughs> Ohio State roster <laughs> right. and know, and know right. their hometowns and, you know, what their stat line is. But this fella who, you know, to be honest, looked more like uh, Hollywood from Mannequin than uh, Dennis Rodman. <laughs> yeah. For, for, <laughs> my own, uh, for my own edification, I decided I was just – I was looking for racist tweets from, from – Breer, if I'm being honest, but he, he is. Did you not... find any? The low, yeah. stakes, the low so, stakes team was on top of it. One of my, one, one of my searches was, and I, and I thought as I was typing it up, I'm like, I'll delete my account if this doesn't return a hit. And the search was Carlton Banks. 
And yes, it came back and hit. <laughs> you can believe that. The Breer stuff. I mean, good Lord. I mean, I don't think there's anybody. I, listen, I take a rightfully take a shit on Bedard. Breer sits on his couch. My favorite Breer tweet from Sunday, non-Dennis Rodman division was, Cardinals nine, Cowboys nothing. <laughs> Yeah. Bert, we have <laughs> red you. zone, you Thank jackass. You. Like, he does banal stuff like that from dawn until dusk on Sundays. What value does he add? And the whole I think it's a sign of just how far Sports Illustrated has fallen. This is not the Sports Illustrated of Rick Riley. It's not the Sports Illustrated of Peter Gammons the first time around. It's it's not the Sports Illustrated that you waited for in your mailbox when the Red Sox had a big winner, when the Patriots were going to the AFC Championship game. It's fallen so far. It's basically one, it's not even one step above pro football talk. It's one step below pro football talk. When was the last time you read anything on a Sports Illustrated website? When was the last time you read Breer? And, 2004, Breer I would say. Like, like, like other than Peter King yeah, when he was there. And that was for hate purposes only. But it's actually, is it, do they still publish a magazine? I don't think they do, but I can't have, speak to that no authoritative. The no fact idea. that we, we have, have no idea, idea is telling yeah. in and of itself. Yeah. I think like we do Forbes? some sort of amalgamation now because because I'll get previews of things that say they're from Sports Illustrated and, and it's some nobody from nowhere that's so I'm, I'm you know you know the type of stories you see you know what I'm talking about yeah this is where John would come in and say it has been bought by a venture capital yeah, firm true. out of Colorado oh, it's, it's, which it's, it probably it's the has been. people this is the, this <laughs> is the people this is the organization right. that. Right. Uh, that had uh, you know that Bendenson worked for, old friend you know William Bendenson, the same Last person who they coverage in the business. Nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the, uh, basically, the previously refer- mentioned that the previously mentioned uh, Portuguese man of war <laughs> took his credentials for for the uh, Super Bowl. Poor Smaven. That's Poor right. Smaven. Should we just refer to Birdie moving forward as Buckeye Smaven? I mean, is Buckeye that inaccurate? Smaven. No, it, it's about right because he is. Um, as he, I, I think I think Bendison is more aware of kind of how he's coming across, which is quite an accomplishment from from Breer. Yeah, Bruce, I, I would say that Bendison's fifteen minutes were far more entertaining than than Bert's hour, hour and a half for sure at this point. For sure, he covered uh, the cows, you know. That's he covered uh, the cowboys, the pokes. Yeah, the pokes. I, I I tweeted the pose on on Sunday, which was <laughs> the pose with an exclamation point, and I was like. That's like four levels of of old goofball board references that no one's yeah. getting. <laughs> Crickets. That's the Ravens, right? The Pope. Yes, yeah. the Pope. Yeah, 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 the Pope. The Pope. Yeah. What, what were the the Pope's were the Dolphins? Yeah. The Pope's were the Ravens. The Pope's yep. were the Cowboys. What am I missing? Yep. The plugs. The plugs. The, the Chargers. The Chargers. Yes, <laughs> that's really right. great one. Yeah. The, yep. the didn't we have the uh, oh, shoot the Pipers the or were the, the Vikings the Plunds. The plunders, the plunders, yes. that's right. Yes. The bills were the payables. That's right. <laughs> Nine of our 15 listeners right now are nodding sagely yes. and laughing a little <laughs> right. bit. Yeah. Uh, for the rest of them, including Tim and Junction City, thoughts and prayers, uh, send an email. We'll explain it to you. I think Actually, I think we just did. Were the Seahawks the piping plovers? The plovers. They were <laughs> the, the plovers. Yes, they were that's, the plovers. That's, that's true. Absolutely. Which is, again, another double reference, old goofball board reference. <laughs> right. All right, Mike, uh, briefly looking ahead to Dallas. Dallas's first two games were against uh, uh, the Giants, and I'm blanking on the first one. They they played the Giants. They beat them pretty Giants soundly. And then the Jets. Giants yeah, the Giants, that's right. The Giants and the Jets. So two offenses that are could be classified as inoffensive, as it were. Um, good weather, good track. 
Uh, they've lost Diggs for the season. Micah Parsons is a one-man wrecking crew. Um, they'll probably try to move him who are, to whoever's playing right tackle, whoever they think is the weak point on the Patriot line. He's versatile in that I've read he can rush him pretty much anywhere. But good test against what's perceived as a pretty good team. I do think the Patriots' defense should give them a chance. Um, keep the ball on the ground, minimize the mistakes. You got to learn, got to learn to walk before you can fly. So uh, it'll be a good test Sunday. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if um, I have a hard time understanding how good uh, Trayvon Diggs actually is. Um, obviously, he makes plays, a lot of plays, but then he he's also given up over the last three years the most yards of any. Uh, any defensive back. So I think he's kind of, I want, I don't know. I, I suspect he is a bit of a, um, a rangier, bigger Delta O'Neill type, which is like, can't, can't cover anybody, but it'll make, make a, a pick. Um, so I don't know, but I, I don't think, I don't, I'm not saying in many ways it's, it's an advantage for the Cowboys, but, um, sir, but I just think it, um, they're going to be able to run the ball. I think they, they, they get, they're going to be, they're going to be committed to running the ball. And even if I just fucking hope they don't get down because then they'll they'll and have to go away with that. All That's the right. way through. Oh, Rick's trying to and get us to believe ahead of time. Sorry about that. <laughs> Thank you, Rick. Yes. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I, I think I think run the ball and and then open up the play action. And I, I think look, if you know, they get after it. They they get after the quarterback, but I think if they're running the ball, they're not gonna be able to tee off on him. And there won't be a lot of excuses, even though they're really good. I think I don't think there's going to be, there, there shouldn't be a ton of excuses next week. I think if they come out of that, you know, and they should score over 20 something points uh, next week. If they don't, you know, we're going to have to consider some things here. Agreed. And my apologies for, for Rick wanting to finish early. Once again, this is not an Italian restaurant. <laughs> Dan, how do you feel about the Cowboys on Sunday? You know, this is why I always take it with a grain of salt when they do the off-season, you know, strength of schedule rankings because every season's an entity. And, and Dallas is one of those teams, kind of like the Ravens, where people look at them and they're imagining old versions of them. And so I've watched them a little bit. I, I don't know what to expect of them, but I don't think that we can just make that supposition that, oh, this is going to be this bruising, uh, bruising offensive line or this uh, uh, attacking defensive line. I I, you know, just watching this, the past game with the Cardinals, I, I think there's opportunities here. Um, just like Mike said, I'm hoping for the run to get going. I'm hoping that on that strong, good field, they can finally get their timing going with the passing game. Um, I'm excited. I'm good. Scarts. I'm going to reference an email from our favorite emailer, Vinny here. The email's titled mindset and Vinny, I know you can take this. I know you're a fan of the show. One of the bigger fans of the show. Um, non, um, non-North Northern Massachusetts division, should I say. Um, Vinny's email, Scarzi, is he's curious to what our mindsets are as a fan heading into the Dallas game. Is it a must-win or is it a moral victory type of game? He thinks Dallas is supremely talented, talented and he's adjusted his expectations. He just wants good ball with minimal injuries for New England. Now, this is, Vinny, it's not personal. This is strictly business. I'm The joylessness has been taken out of following this team. I, it's the media alone turns it into a 17-game slog. I'm really starting to believe there's a lot of people who are like-minded with us that say it's, it's it's the worst fucking fan base in the league. All the the caterwauling and complaining and 
the Calvinistic shit, the pre-04 Calvinistic shit is starting to seep back in again. I think it is a case of sports radio brain. What happened to enjoying the game and enjoying the ride? I, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm not sitting there on Sundays pissing my shoes, but, and again, not to shit on you, Vinny, but I think part of the fun is the journey and finding out what we don't know. I've got to agree with that. I mean, whatever's going to happen on Sunday is going to happen. You know, there's no, uh, there's no Heisenberg thing here where us watching it is going to, uh, going to affect it. And I, again, outside of, outside of Philadelphia, I have no idea how good any of the, uh, any of the NFC team, NFC East teams are. So, so uh, the Patriots could win. They could, uh, they could, you know, like you say, get behind and, you know, step on their dicks again, as happened in weeks one and week two. Heck, there, there could be, there could almost be a tie. That's we, we, true. Will, we will see what happens here. And I'll say this, the last time the Patriots played Dallas at Foxborough in Mac's rookie year, they lost. That game was as fun a game as you could have had with Mac hitting board on the long in cut to take the lead late. The defense was on the field a lot of the game, but fun game, um, you know, I'd like seeing the clips of it in the last couple of days, you know, despite what happened in the end, that was a, it was a fun moment in the year we had again, 2021. We had no idea what was going to happen that year. Rookie quarterback, a lot of new guys uh, coming in in free agency. It was a good year. They went 10 and seven. They went to the playoffs and hopefully it's a building block for moving forward. So the Patriots will be playing Dallas to the late game on Sunday. Uh, for those of you who live in God's time zone, that'll be uh, just after lunchtime. All right, before we go, and Dan, this is right in your wheelhouse. Uh, this is from the Ben Rapisberger and Jerome Bettis have a podcast, and they're saying that the Patriots stole their signs and cheated in the 2004 AFC Championship game. Hey, to be fair, the Patriots cheated. What? For sure they did. It's not even a question mark. It's not even a question in my mind. It was fourth and one. It was fourth and one. They called timeout. First of all, coach did this. Back in the day, this meant uh, counter. They they saw this. Coach called it. Office line coach did that on the sideline. They called timeout. Who normally goes to the sideline on timeout? The defensive captains, right? They told the nose guard, Washington. They pulled him to the sideline. Big 400-pound guy. He don't want to go to the sideline and come all the way back. <laughs> cold. Right? It was cold. cold. What, what he want to go to the sideline for? They yelling. It made him go to the sideline. And I, I always thought, that, like, what, did, what are you going to say? He went all to the sideline came back. Then we run the play. He loops into the hole. <laughs> Washington does. They stop us on fourth down, right? That's a critical play in the game. They, were, they had our signs. And they called a timeout to get them ready for that play because they knew it was coming. No there, question yes, in my mind. I remember vividly because I, I thought, why is this big dude? Why is this big dude going to the sideline? A couple of problems with that is pointed up by old friend Patrick Pass from our old, previously referenced old goofball board. One, the Patriots didn't call a timeout before the play. Two, a no guard, nose guard did not go to the sidelines. Three, Ted Washington was not on the Patriots. Four, Jerome Bettis fumbled anyway and the Patriots are covered. Patriots led that game at one point, 34 to, 
I think it was 34 to 10 before winning 34 to 20. I don't care what happened in October of that year. The Patriots it was like 41 were to 20. 41 to 20. You're correct. I'm sorry, Dad. Yeah. Um, but this is right in your wheelhouse. This is, you know, I can kind of maybe forgive this somewhat. It's glory days should be playing in the background. These athletes sitting around shooting the shit, discussing stuff that happened almost 20, uh, 18 years ago. Um, but the media is promoting this, including that asshole, uh, overseas asshole, Dove Kleeman, promoting this as facts, that it's more proof that the nefarious che- cheating Patriots cheated again. It's it's, it's tiresome. I, I love how he says he remembers it vividly because it's it's far <laughs> from that. And it's, it's just like you said, it's these guys, it's it's what they need to be able to live with themselves, rem- trying to remember that. And then, I, but the problem is he's calling up a very uh, memorable game, well, at least the Patriots fans, where, you know, we have the video, we can go back and, and multiple people did uh, to to look at the exact details. Ted, like you said, Ted Washington wasn't there. He was there the previous year. Uh, the guy that went, I think the guy that went over to the sidelines uh while they were doing the measurement was uh, uh ted johnson so maybe he was confusing as ted's but it chatham pointed out my, matt chatham pointed out that watching the play there was no looping the center or, or anything like that everybody just won their matchups it was it was straight on stopping them and then uh i think it was roosevelt colvin that got him over the top when he couldn't move move forward causing the fumble um the the way to com- combat Spygate is facts. The you you look he was talking about the sideline. His offensive coach was, uh, oh, I guess, the offensive line coach was giving signals on the sideline. Well, okay, they might have been doing some formation things, but the the actual play call is going back to like 1994 was through the helmet to the quarterback. Um, and if they did happen to read what the offensive line coach was signaling with his hands, that's been legal since the dawn of time. You can you can steal signals. That's always been there. That's true. Much, Matt, much friend, of of the, friend of the podcast, Matt Chatham, pointed out it's not stealing. It's deciphering. Uh, salt and paprika for the win there, Mike. <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't I don't want to get this canceled, so I'll, I'll take a pass on the Jerome Bettis feed uh, what he was saying so um do you know what but, beat uh, the Steelers that day three interceptions four turnovers that's what beat that, the Steelers that, 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 day. that was you know um looking back over the last couple decades that was you know as enjoyable yes as yeah. it gets uh Dion Branch getting getting the deep ball early and then waving goodbye um at the end and on the everything end about that game and Rodney uh, the the pick and just yeah Oh fuck that! That was as good as it gets going into that place, and and shutting those people up, um, ice cold Brady with the fever. Um, that was you know I I I'd, I'd go back and relive that day for sure for sure. That was that was huge snowstorm in New England that day. I, I remember it very well. Uh, to vividly. your point, vividly. I remember. Uh, not only Dion Branch grabbing a terrible towel, walking over the sideline when I think it was 41 to 13, and he just asked the SEAL fan, where's your towel? And to your point, Rodney Harrison, when Rodney Harrison returned that uh, t- uh, the interception for a touchdown late in the first, first half with the Steelers driving to hopefully for them make it a game, 
Mike Vrabel went down, went down the field and absolutely trucked wow. Roethlisberger and stood over him like a wrestler with his hands in the air signaling touchdown, which, frankly, even to this day, makes it move. Scarzi, that was a, as I like to say, that was a good day. I've got to say, uh, the Patriots uh, dynastic, uh, and one of the great fringe benefits is preventing loser team of losers like the Steelers from becoming a dynasty. And it's just just seeing these people, you know, make up nonsense stories about uh, getting getting jobbed when they just didn't have it. it, it it's it, it, it warms my cold heart. All that was missing in that clip, Scarzi, was Heinz Ward and Marshall Falk coming through the back wall like the Kool-Aid man <laughs> wanting to join in to the, the, the lie fest. Mm -hmm. All right. So as we mentioned, another good memory. Uh, Dan, it's Dan's specialty. Dan's on this podcast for many reasons, of one of which his love of exposing the hypocrisy related to everything Spygate. Well said, Irons. Well said. Uh, I have a quick final thought. We're going to crowdsource this a little bit. Um, more of a, it's equally a shot at the despicable Red Sox ownership as it is praise for uh, Terry Francona. Terry Francona is going to spend his last week as a main, major league manager coming up. Um, he is a three-time MLB Manager of the Year award winner. He's won 1,948 games and counting, which is 13th in the history of baseball. He's three-time World Series winner, and he took the Indians to Game 7 of the 2016 World Series, an epic Game 7 of the 2016 World Series, the Raji Davis home run, two really good baseball teams, great series as a neutral observer. Um, Tito was 28-17 and 17 in the postseason, a 622 winning percentage in the postseason in the era of expanded playoffs. That is positively Belichickian, and... I don't think there are many people and I'll let you chime in on this, Mike, because you, once upon a time, you and I were huge Red Sox fans. Not sure there's anyone who a could have taken over from the devastation of what happened after Aaron Boone in 2003 and taken that team of quote unquote idiots. And then do this carry on when they're down Oh three and kind of keep the steady hand, not panic. He was the right man in the right place at the right time with the right organization, and it will forever not be despicable in light of the chicken and beer stuff that happened, the way that the Red Sox ownership smeared him through their lackeys in the media. And they, I hope Terry Francona, he was the bigger man, and he came back and let, allowed himself to be honored. His 47 should be on the right field facade and retired. I hope he doesn't let them do it and give them the opportunity to have a, a, a day, a, a, a box office receipts day at Fenway Park. I hope he flips them the double bird. Uh, yeah, and, you know, there's nothing, I, I think, probably more overrated than a baseball manager, but he was um, he was great, and he was the perfect guy to manage um, manage those teams, and he was just, he, he did it, and he just, every day he'd be in there, and just, you know, Manny, Manny had a death another death in the family and he'd sit there and he'd he'd address it and man led the needed, league in dead grandmothers <laughs> man and manny needed a blow and uh he just he was great he was fucking awesome Thanks, and you know he just i remember what he remember what he said you know after they won uh they won game four you know we won today the goal is to win tomorrow night and uh yeah he's great the the greatest you know, the best the best manager in red sox history 
And, um, and the way that they, what they did to him is as low, um, you know, and I, I think part of the reason, one of the, one of the, the big reasons why I, I, you know, I was out before that happened, but that pattern of behavior was, you know, kind of why I, I, I was tapped out for sure. Um, uh, because, um, nobody more honorable to the organization than him and look what they did to him. Yeah. He swallowed so many bullets for them. He was their figurative in literal human shield for a long time. Scarzi, I don't think in the, in, in the history of our watching the franchise of the 40 and 50 something year old collaborative members, let's speak for them here. I don't think there was a bigger juxtaposition throwing aside Joe Morgan leading the Red Sox to 89 wins in 1991 and getting canned after leading that band of aging guys. And when they canned him, they asked him to his press conference, what happened? And he says, I think they're going to find those guys on as good as they think they are. And then Butch <laughs> Hobson came in and led them to a 70 some odd win season. 2011 Red Sox won 90 games. They collapsed down the stretch, but they won 90 games. Then they bring in Bobby Valentine and they go 69 and 93 the next season. That is the, <laughs> you want to talk about malfeasance and management? Dear Lord, John Henry, everyone. Go ahead, Scott. So your, your thoughts on Tito. I was just thinking back to Walpole, Joe Morgan, 6-2 and even. <laughs> That's right. Morgan <laughs> magic. But uh, that, was, that was a good time too for us, you know, us 50 and 60 year olds. <laughs> I, I mean, 40 and 50, because I'm not that old. But anyways, yeah. Uh, Oh yeah, the, the, just well, maybe uh, maybe someday there'll be a uh, new ownership group that will uh, come in, and then they can uh, retire his uh, forty-seven, or or maybe they'll just put a uh, you know red or blue sweatshirt up over it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's Apparently, there were times like where he just wasn't wearing the uniform top underneath the sweatshirt because you know why? Because who's gonna know? Dan, um, speaking. I, I love I love the man and uh, I'm glad that he's you know I'm you know he you know if you don't have your health you don't have anything so get get your rest yeah to, to paraphrase the sports drunk sports junk the jar of sports drunk bon voyage means goodbye Tito bon voyage <laughs> Dan do you have any thoughts for the 50 and 60 year olds among us on Tito Francona uh, well, I was mentioning just how uh, a prerequisite for the job in the, in the media is to, in this media is to have no shame. And yes. it, it was just shameful the way they treated him on the, on the way out the door. Um, my, my wife's cousin married Cody Allen, the old um, Cleveland reliever who pitched in that the 2016. And I, I remember talking to him about Tito and the thing he was telling me was just how much joy he got out of beating the Sox in that divisional. <laughs> that makes, that makes my cold, dark heart happy and light filled. That's a good anecdote, Dan. Uh, Tito, uh, be well, be healthy, enjoy your retirement and best of luck and whatever you want to do. Cause Lord knows what, what a hell of a run between 2004 and 2011. Uh, Dan is at Patriots daily. Scartilli, uh, Junk drawer, sports, things of that nature. At Pat Scartell. Mike on Route 1 is at In This Town 1. My name is Mike Irons. John Irons, um, you're missed. Um, please stop complaining about your playing time. Uh, that will change in the future. But as always, please turn off your radios. And we're going to stay positive all the way through. And if you think I'm going to succumb to negativity, you're wrong. you got the wrong guy leading this basketball team.
Okay, Scartelli's four downs. Four downs. Four downs. It's been a while since we've done this. Okay, uh, remind. We start me. at four and go go to one, or start, no? No, it's, it's like football. One down to four downs. Okay, uh, red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Marte Mapu, Marte Mapu, Brian Arakpo, Brian Arakpo. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> 